It's Monday the 7th of February 2022. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this past week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is the artist, writer and podcast presenter Lydia Holt. Welcome to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a big week for news this week uh, and Covid was not the top story, though we may have wished it was. Uh, a small aeroplane went missing on Thursday with four people on board, expecting a two-hour sightseeing and photography tour. Despite the 21st century technology on hand and the involvement of about a thousand people, the, plan wa- the plane wasn't found until very late Friday night on the bottom of Lake Thingvatlavat. Upon closer inspection, the plane was found to be empty, and so the gruelling search operation started up again, finally identifying the whereabouts of the four bodies yesterday evening. Neither plane nor passengers have yet been recovered from the lake due to weather. The capital region and southwest Iceland were put under only their second ever red weather warning overnight. Winds did not disappoint, and search and rescue teams responded to over 100 calls. All roads between towns and villages across the whole country have been closed, and most are still closed at the time of recording. The temperature was higher than expected, though, which meant less snow, and life is already starting to return to normal this morning. But severe disruption remains in many areas. The airline Play has declared it will start flying to New York from June, but its selection of an airport that many outside of New York State may never have heard of has raised some eyebrows. Hospitali National University Hospital has a new leader and he says the pandemic shone a light on the hospital's weaknesses, which he will now start working to improve. There are now just two COVID patients in intensive care and 26 in hospital overall, despite daily infection numbers remaining at near record levels. COVID isolation has been cut from seven days to five and we could hear word of further removal of restrictions before the end of the day today, earlier than scheduled. Four out of five people employed as part of the Heviumsturv pandemic stimulus campaign have not returned to the unemployment register. And finally, the government has finally nailed down the names of its ministries and the titles of its ministers over four months after the election. So where would you like to start? Oh, my goodness. There's so much happening. I mean, I guess we should start with the obvious, with the weather. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's very current right now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's always a big topic of discussion in Iceland. Um, I I live downtown and things were not too bad. There were the usual howling winds and a lot of snow, but um, the city's done a a really good job. Like roads are pretty clear. Yeah. And uh, things, as you said, are getting back to normal. Yeah. Uh, It's not true across the country. I mean, I think Reykjanesbraut is now open. You can drive to Keplavik if you really want to, uh, although it's mm-hmm. not good conditions on the road. Uh, most other roads are still closed, though. You couldn't go to Selfos, for example. Um, yeah. And there's a big operation to clear those. And maybe there's no hurry to do so because everyone's been well prepared for this. They're not expecting to be going anywhere this morning. Exactly. Why they um, went ahead and issued the red alert just to make sure everyone just stayed home so they could have time to clear the roads and make everything safe. Yeah. And I think I mean, it's the first snow day my kids have ever had in Iceland. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that says something, doesn't it? I mean, the country does function remarkably well in, in poor conditions. So when they put out this red warning, people listen. Yeah, they take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and not, 
the whole country was under an orange warning, which is bad enough. People shouldn't travel under those conditions. Um, but mm. it was the, just the southwest that had this red. Um, yeah. And yet, yeah, it was about two degrees warmer than they thought it would be, which meant less snow. Up in the north, that isn't the case. They've had plenty of snow up there. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> a strange way to, to say it about bad weather, but yes, yes. It's the yeah. best, best outcome for bad weather. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it could have been better. It could also have been worse. But the elect they, they did kind of fear that electric grids might go down and the internet could go mm -hmm. out. Um, and that has mostly not happened. There's areas of yeah. West Iceland and South Iceland that don't have any power. Uh, and interesting, it was lightning that is preventing repairs from taking place which you don't really get in Iceland. I thought that I saw lightning last night and I was like, that can't be right. Not in Iceland, but I guess mm -hmm. so. And power did go out a little bit in, um, in the west, on the west side of downtown. I had some friends who had some fluctuations, but everything is fine this morning, at least yeah. here in the city. What do you feel about storms? Is it exciting and fun or just a, a pain in the neck? <laughs> oh, I fluctuate. Cause I grew up in Texas. So I love like a good, like thunderstorm. Like, I feel like that's refreshing, but here in Iceland, the storms, it's just like this howling wind that's like relentless. And that can be, drive me a little bit crazy just because I can't sleep. Hmm. But I guess there is a bit of excitement about it. You know, battening down the garbage cans, <laughs> making sure all the windows are secure. So yeah. One thing I, I love um, a good dump of snow and uh, maybe that's what's been missing today a little bit. Yeah, it, if that it does been a make it a little bit fun. If it had been a couple of degrees colder, like they said it would have been, it would have potentially been a lot more snow. I know the, the higher regions like Breitholt and, and areas higher in town did get more than downtown. Mm. Yeah, it is nice to have that reward of like a winter wonderland type situation. For all of that, for all the ruckus, and to wake up and they're just piles of snow. Yeah. Um, so that's the nice side of it. The downside of it is obviously the dis disruption it causes, and nowhere has that been less welcome um, than in this search for the plane and and the unfortunate passengers that were on board. Yes. Because that's arguably, I mean, the storm may be the biggest news of the day, but that was the biggest news of the week. It was definitely the biggest news of the week. It's so sad and so shocking and surprising. Um, because, I mean, there's just people going, just going out for a tour, you know? And sadly, we'll probably never know exactly what, it, what happened. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't know what the word is, the status or the, 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 uh, the skill of the investigation when things like this do happen, they're very good at finding out at least mostly what happened. I mean, mm. the, the sort of the rough cause of it. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yes. I guess imagine if you find the black box. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes very small planes don't. You can have find out if it box. was engine failure or if something else happened. Yeah. Oh. That's right. So you have to be. Yeah. It has to be a certain size of plane to have a black box recorder. I didn't realize that. Oh. What they did I have. Feel though, for they the did, families absolutely yeah so there was three passengers on board and a pilot mm. um, the pilot 
as far as I understand, was very well known and highly respected. Yeah, uh, and many people I know knew him personally, and they said he was a great person. Yeah, the passengers, I believe, all young, tourists, um, photography enthusiasts, mm -hmm. YouTubers. Mm. Now, not obviously, there's not a lot we can draw on at this stage, but photography flights like this one, for obvious reasons, they do tend to fly quite low. Exactly. Uh, which could potentially have been part of part of it. Um, Especially here with, you know, the crazy ends and the weather. Little small pockets of strange weather phenomena. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that people are talking about, and rightly so, is that in 2022, how could it have taken so long to find the plane? Yeah, that was strange. But I did also hear that they didn't file a flight plan, so they didn't necessarily know exactly where they went. So that makes, Iceland is not a huge island, but you know, <laughs> if you're looking for a plane, yeah. it can be difficult. Yeah. And the plane was and fitted with an emergency transponder, um, which may or may not have worked for a while because there was a signal picked up by a passenger jet um, but then no one else was able to find it again, which is confusing. That is strange. That is strange. Yeah. And then to discover, they finally discovered the plane and then the bodies were not inside the plane. And that just really crushed me. Just like knowing that they were in the water or landed on the water and were able to get out and still, oh, it's just yeah. heartbreaking. It is. It really is. And not only that, that it was kind of this news that came out and there was no further detail on it. And suddenly people are getting hopeful again. And uh, yeah, and like, oh, maybe they were they're just somewhere where they can't communicate, you know. And unfortunately, and that, that was never really a thing. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, terrible times. Um, if you can draw a positive from it there's always a positive to a situation was the the scale of the response and and how many people were involved and how how much they all cared there was a thousand people doing this yeah. uh, a lot of them volunteers 800 of them volunteers um not surprising but but good to see yeah it's nice to see the the positive side of humanity coming together I think the search and the volunteer search and rescue teams across the whole country is, is something that Iceland is justifiably proud of. And the call did go out to all areas of Iceland and, and it was responded to, which is good. Yeah, it is something Iceland is known for. Yeah. So we know how to next... get you out of a jam. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Possibly because the country, as the weather has been showing us, is very good at getting you into a jam. Yes. Next stage, um, they hope to raise the plane and, and, and of course the bodies, maybe tomorrow, probably Wednesday. And then, mm. then the investigation can really get going. Yes, terrible situation. Yeah. But, I'm uh, glad that not... they can have some closure. Yeah. It's not one that can perhaps be discussed at endless length, partly because there's no no debate. It's just a sad thing. Uh, and also because we yeah. know so little at this stage. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, worth mentioning. Maybe we should move on to a different topic. Yes. What stands out for you? Um, being a, um, a New Yorker, former New Yorker, I was- Texan New Yorker. I'm a Texan New Yorker. Half my life in Texas, half New York, now in Iceland. Um, I was intrigued by play the airline by their move to uh, have direct flights to New York, but not to JFK, the international airport in New York City. Or Newark. But to, or Newark, but that's New Jersey. Not, not that there's, I have anything against Jersey. Jersey is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but to a smaller international airport further north of the city. And I can't remember the name of the airport. It's so it's small. It's called Stewart. Stewart Airport, Stewart International Airport. <laughs> For, you know, those two flights that come in internationally. Um, yeah, I guess it's a interesting move. People definitely won't have to go through um, JFK, who's international, you know, passport control and the customs and baggage claim. It's all very crowded and um, I imagine at Stewart, it'll be fairly simple. I mean, I've heard, because I, I was as interested in this as you actually, um, and I've sort of been reading up and people say it's, it's a lovely experience flying through there. It's very, very quiet, very mm -hmm. small, which makes sense. Um, but perhaps it's not ideal for people that want to go to and from New York City because it's- Exactly. It's a, over an hour drive at the best of times, more like two hours. Exactly. That's where I, that's where they lost me. Having been a, a person who visited New York City from New England, like from further north, and have, I've taken the bus into New York City many times, and it's not exactly pleasant. And you have to come into Port Authority, which is not the nicest of bus terminals. Right. So I don't know. I feel like people should be warned. <laughs> It's not going to be easy getting from the airport into New York City if you do decide to fly into Stewart. It may be a little trying. So I think everyone can agree that as a tourist option for New York City travelers, this mm. is not a good move. But no. maybe, that's, maybe that's not what they're going for, though, because we've got Iceland Air and Delta and I think United as well, all flying into New York, New York's other mm. airports. Maybe they're trying to set up a different market. They're trying to get people that are more local, other people from New York State. And maybe they're trying to introduce Icelanders and Europeans to New York that isn't New York City as well. Maybe. I'm, I have to say, I'm kind of struggling with what that could be because it's not like they're going to... It's just outside New York City. It's not like an upstate, super rural rural experience. It's kind of a suburban thing. I guess it is right. small townish there. I don't know. I guess we can only wait and see what happens. Maybe there are people like close to, to New Paltz, New York, who are just really interested in going to Iceland or Icelanders are really trying to get there. And we just don't know that. And I think they're going to be trying to do this Atlantic thing that Wow Air used to and that Iceland Air do and, and connecting mm -hmm. to elsewhere in Europe as well. Not just Iceland. That's true. Yeah. 
But of course, then there's and, the main the main single biggest reason is that landing fees are eighty percent cheaper. Ah, see, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and play is all about um, making things affordable. So there you go. So maybe we'll see that reflected in the prices. Well, that's what they say. I mean, no one's going to pay. I don't know. Let's say fifty thousand kroners to go to Stuart if they could pay 50,000 to go to JFK. So it, it will have to be cheaper. And then, yeah, maybe it'll work. Wait and see. Yeah, I think that's all we can do. If it was half the price, would you try it? Oh man, I don't think I would. I think I would shell out the extra corona to go straight into New York City. It's just really unpleasant, that drive. In my years of experience, it has not been pleasant. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Or maybe people would take the train in. That's a little nicer. I couldn't even begin to tell you where the nearest train station is to the airport, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I guess they would have to get a cab into New Paltz and then um, take a train from there. And those trains don't run all that regularly. So maybe it's not a great idea. Yeah. It's, it's a little tricky, it's a little tricky. But if you're going for a bucolic experience, it's perfect. Where's the next major population hub to the north-ish, to the north-northwest of Stuart, other than New York to the south? To the northwest? I'm just Ooh. thinking of who else maybe, this might. Like Buffalo, maybe? Right. <laughs> Syracuse? <laughs> So maybe maybe this is something for them. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to get that central New York, that western New York population involved. Come on, guys. You too can go to Europe. <laughs> you too can go to Europe. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, good luck to them. And it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's brave, certainly. And with the other New York airports already quite well served, maybe it'll work. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people on the eastern, on the east coast of, of the United States. So yeah. it's bound to help somebody out. And at the very least, it has generated headlines and discussion and, and yeah. free publicity for the airline, not just this show. I know it's one of the most popular articles that we published last week <laughs> and lots of discussion about it and other media as well. So good for the airline in that regard as well so well well played play very very good. i couldn't resist i couldn't resist <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell um which topic should we go on to next uh maybe to the hospital yes which and, and i guess you know they've been under a lot of pressure it just seemed strange that it's like oh Will um sorry just how lost we operate you just lost you for a second there what did you say oh i was just saying i imagine it's because of the stress of the pandemic that they really haven't been able to address um the weaknesses and how the hospital operates they were just kind of shown <laughs> it's like oh this this is where the problems are and now there's a little bit of a lull as, as you were saying with having fewer people in icu 
now they can start actually addressing the problems. Yeah. And I don't know, did they specify what those problems are? Like what exactly has come to light other than, you know, maybe not uh, having enough staff? I haven't actually read the full interview with, with Runova Paulson yet, um, but I imagine he'd say that. It was, let's see, that's quite a long one. I can't on air. <laughs> as um we we kind of know don't we it was earlier on in the pandemic it, it was a lack of uh, um, intensive care space was a major one so that it would be easy to overwhelm the system right uh, perhaps staffing problems were really exposed during the pandemic mm. and this and I know there's been flexibility this this ability to deal with a large influx with little warning yeah. And I'm not really sure how they would address that, given that on a regular basis, like without there being a, a pandemic, they don't really have need for that many, say, ICU beds or to have that many people on call to fill in for whoever may be out due to illness or family illness. Like that's not a regular occurrence. So I'm not sure how you, how you adapt that, how you make changes. Yeah. Or maybe it's just keeping in mind that that as as experts have said, like pandemics are going to become like a regular thing. They feel they're like this won't be the last one. So this is the quote he says, um, the biggest challenges are lack of facilities, um, human resources challenges, a serious shortage of beds. Um, mm. And, and mm. this is made this is meant that the hospital doesn't have the wriggle room or the flexibility to deal with this big influx. Mm. And yeah, it's a difficult one because you don't really want to be building whole hospitals that then lie empty until you really need them because who could afford that? Exactly, certainly not Iceland. No. At the same time, I just suppose there are certain things you could, that. you could have for, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now, you could maybe have sort of special pandemic training for all staff so that your ah. maybe your ear nose and throat doctor can go and do this if needed uh, at right. the drop of a hat or, or, or you know specialists in other fields can come in eat more easily mm -hmm. I don't know yeah it's that's tough. actually a pretty good idea that's something I hadn't even thought of I was like maybe they could have um agreements with other like maybe other Nordic countries to have like support to come in when necessary. But that's better to cross train basically your, your uh, specialists so that they can be more flexible in how they treat people. Well, I'm not even sure that's legal, but uh, it, yeah, it's <laughs> something to look into. Um, yeah. And this kind of private partnership thing that has come up in the last six months or so is promising when they're sort of closing private clinics to bring all their staff over to Landspitali temporarily. Mm. That was something that would be unimaginable two years ago and that's helped yeah i'm really not sure why they have private uh clinics and hospitals here no. for people that want different services and are willing to pay for them because there's not everything is available through through the health service certain mm -hmm. certainly cosmetic procedures for example right but other elective surgery as well Mm -hmm. it can be 
you know, not covered. And yeah. And then of course there's people that can just afford to get quicker and better care. But it's not a big thing in Iceland compared to most no. countries. It's it's really quite niche. It's, yeah, certainly not like it is in the United States. No. That's right. And there was this thing, you know, Ausbro, uh, the the former army base out by Captivic mm. Airport. There was this thing yes. about trying to turn that into a health village for health tourists, wasn't there? Getting people to come to Iceland for treatment. I don't. I haven't wow. heard about that for a while. No. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard that some Icelanders do go elsewhere for certain, not for necessarily health treatment, but for like other services that are maybe more expensive here and it's just cheaper to take a little vacation somewhere else and get a little maybe get a root canal done <laughs> oh dentistry i thought you'd bring that up that's true <laughs> i think hungary is very popular for dentistry yes which is fascinating i just learned about this recently i was like really you know people just take a little holiday you're put up in a hotel you go get your dental work done and then you come home yeah it's more about the sightseeing and less about the uh, less about the restaurants under those circumstances. <laughs> Not yeah. being able to chew, but yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, Runo Paulson is the new head of Landspitali. So, good luck to him. Good luck. That's a big. Task. And the other half, the other half of that story is the the COVID element. Um, the Isolation for people with infection is down to seven days now. No, five from seven. Down to five from seven. Which was ten before. And um, so is that is that five days from your confirmed positive? Yeah. Okay. And so there's, I, I imagine they're certain then that people aren't contagious after five days? Is that the, or is it just... More I of think a... there's some conditions. Uh, uh, there's some conditions attached to it. It's like if after five days you are not contagious, then you're okay. free. Whereas before it was under no circumstances would you be released before ten and then seven days, even if. Um, I, I think that's the way it goes. So you, are you tested like at five days? You get you can get tested again to make sure you're not positive. Again, I, it's it's changing <laughs> it's so quickly. Unclear. I don't know. I've had COVID myself, but things have changed a couple of times since then. I'm entirely not, there's a lot of confusion still. There is. Yeah. And also like when you tested positive, how long had you actually had it before you tested positive? So I it's believe possible that doesn't that... matter. I believe, oh, really? I, don't, I don't think that has changed. I think it's from the moment the PCR test mm -hmm. is taken, regardless of when you had it. But I'm saying, like, as far as is being contagious, like it, it, you may have been, you know, may have had it for longer than you realized. And yeah. so it's just kind of hard to know, like, oh, am I only testing positive now, but I've had it, you know, for days before. And, you know, yeah, it's all very confusing. It is. But I'm glad, but I'm very glad that um, the authorities tried to um, move with, new knowledge like they, they aren't stuck with saying we have to do it this way it's like no we know this about infection rates now so we can change it yeah exactly because the infection rate is still so high i think um 
a couple of days ago, maybe Friday, they set a new record again. Uh, okay. But the number of people in hospital is pretty steady, possibly even dropping slowly. Uh, there was one death on Friday again, I think. Um, but, you know, they, that could have been worse. They, that number could have been going up faster. Yeah. And now maybe today we will hear about more relaxation to the rules. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I just don't, I just don't know how I feel about it. It's also, I feel very uncertain. That's how I feel about everything. <laughs> yes. I suppose that's life right now. It's a bit, yeah, so much uncertainty. Yeah. And also uncertainty about the continuation of this program because we are hitting the half an hour mark already. Oh my goodness. Believe it. That was fast. How, how does that happen? No. Well, you know, when you're having fun. Always. Thank you, Lydia. <laughs> yeah, we are out of time. Um, but the good news is that the week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 14th of February on roof.is forward slash English. Roof English on Facebook through the Roof app and your favorite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Lydia Holt, and also Lydia Gretosdottir for running the technical side of things today. Thank you very much. We Lydia's are so fabulous and so thankful. I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a long-known fact. <laughs> so uh, we finished today's programme with a nod to the weather. This is Stormer, and it's by Sigaros. Stay cosy. Bye for now. Ta-da! <laughs>